Hi, this is the Let's Train Your Brain podcast, a podcast that encourages you to reflect, grow, and expand your mental toolbox. My name is Annie Ursta, and I am the host of this podcast. I'm a certified life coach with a background in psychology, and my purpose is to help people transform their mindset for the better. This podcast is made for you that are open and willing to grow and curious to learn more about how the mind works. Sounds interesting? Well, let's get right to it. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the fifth episode of the Let's Train Your Brain podcast. First of all, I've been receiving some really good and helpful feedback this week, and I just wanted to say thank you for reaching out and helping me make this podcast as best as it can be. Last week, we talked about dopamine, the hormone dopamine. And as I said, this week will be about oxytocin. Comparing to last week, that was more of an informative episode about dopamine. And this week, I wanted to make it a little bit different. So that's why I call this episode Oxytocin and Relationships. So I will still answer the same questions as I did last week, which is what it is, what it does, and how can and how we can help and pay attention to our oxytocin level. So before I start today's episode, there's something that I've been thinking of that I wanted to ask you, and that is very, a very simple question. It's about how you're doing today. Think about it for a second, and feel free to pause the podcast if you need to take some more time. How are you? Really, how are you? Do you feel aligned? Are you frustrated, perhaps? Are you really excited today? Take a second to pause. Breathe in. Maybe you're outside. Look up. Look around you. Ask yourself, why are you feeling this way today? I think it's so easy to let life fly away without taking the time to be present and to listen to yourself and what you actually need. So if you're feeling frustrated, ask yourself why. Is it because you've been too busy not making time for your hobbies? Maybe you can do something about it. Whatever it might be you're feeling today, all I wish for you is to be honest with yourself. Because by being honest, we become more aligned. And by becoming more aligned, we become brave. Brave to be who we are and set the boundaries that we want and the boundaries that we need. Is it okay if I say that one more time? I'll do it regardless. By being honest, we become more aligned. And by becoming more aligned, we become brave. Brave to be who we are and to set the boundaries we want and the boundaries we need. So that was a little rant about our well-being today. Just don't forget to take care of yourself, my friend, because you're so valuable and you're so loved, and this is just really important. So that was a little bit about that. Going back to the podcast episode about oxytocin, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with it, but I'll do a little bit of information about it first of all, regardless. What is it? 
Oxytocin is called the love drug for a reason. It's a hormone that is associated with sex and most other forms of social bonding. And if you're a mother, I'm sure that you know that oxytocin is highly related during childbirth and while breastfeeding. That's something I can't really answer for. Uh, the same way that dopamine is a feel-good hormone, the same can be said about oxytocin. Bonding, snuggling, bonding socially, and sex releases this hormone. And let me tell you, it is strong. If you've ever been in love, either as a young teenager or as an adult, you will know how much of your attention goes towards the one you care for. Next to answer is what it does. It makes us feel fussy. We feel loved and cared for. And as the hormone is released, it's able to regulate our pro-social behavior, such as trust, empathy, and positive communication. The interesting thing here is that the more we take action that releases oxytocin, the more we want of it. Oxytocin is not really only released as we engage in intimate relationships, but with friends as well. As we hug people we love and spend time with them, oxytocin is released. But what I especially wanted to share today are two different settings where I believe it can be extra smart to be aware of our oxytocin levels. Both situations are of personal experience, so I can only talk on behalf of myself. First, let's talk about love. I've been in love a couple of times in my life, and the first time, at least that I can remember, was in Sunday school. I was very young. I might be wrong, but I think it was even before I started first grade, so before the age of six. I remember seeing this cute boy, I was feeling all the fussiness in my tummy and daydreaming. It was a it was a good time. Luckily, that did not turn out to be something so I was able to meet my husband. George and I got married within a year, which to a lot of people is pretty crazy. And at this point, we've been together for close to two years. The story could be an entirely different podcast episode in itself, but I want to relate it to oxytocin and that perspective in this podcast. If you've ever been in love, then you know that the first stage is pretty wild. You might feel like you're walking on cloud nine, everything is exciting, it's easy, but then something happens. Kind of slowly is not as strong and crazy as it was in the beginning. I will say as I'm talking about this, I don't have the necessarily the correct answer, but this is at least how we did it. Because I knew after failing dating so far in life that these emotions of fussiness, the crazy emotions, they would come. So we were both older, I was 20, 25, George was 26 at the time, so we both decided to meet the relationship heads-on to make the best baseline and foundation for our relationship. 
instead of letting the feelings take over too much, we grabbed, as I think about it, almost every single opportunity that we either saw as a red flag or not in accordance with our values and beliefs. And we talked talk it through. I'd actually say that although the first months were exciting, they were also the toughest that we've had so far because we intentionally wanted to set ourselves up for success. And the, co- and the cost of that was a lot of truth, a lot of honesty and actually telling each other how we were feeling, how we wanted to do things. Um, so I'm not gonna tell you what works for us will work for you, but it definitely helped us in three main aspects, which I will go through. Being who you are, being who I am completely. That is one of the aspects that I will talk about first. This was actually very difficult at times, especially for me, since I could easily go with the flow and adapt, as well as having people-pleasing tendencies. What it looks like is... You just go with the flow when someone wants something and you want to make them happy. So although you might really want something else, you just think, well, you know, it's fine and make the other person happy and I don't really care too much. And sometimes that can be nice, but in a relationship or that is going to be your, in a sense, the anchor in your life and someone you're going to be so intimate with, it's not necessarily very positive. At least I think so. There's also something very vulnerable about being who you truly are. Parts of you that might have been rejected by others in the past are no parts that you're going to show completely to your husband and not just show them, but but also being accepted. And that can be really hard. Um, But I will tell you, when I remember that... I really felt completely myself with George. And this is especially to to you that are single or looking for someone. Is that it really is the most beautiful thing. What I realized with George is that it's not only that he accepted it, but he loved it. And that, to me, was love. In a way that I've not experienced before. And I felt the same. Of course, there are parts of us that we don't appreciate that much, but we accept it. We can work on it. But as a whole, we love each other for who we are. So that was the first aspect of what worked for us so well. So we learned, first of all, being who we are completely. The second one about um, going heads on the relationship from the beginning is setting boundaries. And I was joking about this in the beginning of our relationship. And that was that our relationship is based upon compromise. 
in a sense, it can be a joke, but it also isn't. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to that. A give and take mentality. Being this aware of our boundaries together also made me take a better look into the life I had before George. And I realized that I was adding new boundaries that I probably should have done before a long time ago. But I didn't really see it until I met someone that I was so focused on building something healthy with, if that makes sense. So that was the second one. The third aspect, why we saw it so important to build our relationship from the get-go, was having values. And I'm not only talking about values together, but values individually. And I wanted to share probably one of the values where we differed the most, and that's our belief in a higher being. George wasn't a Christian when we started talking. So I told him that my faith come first, but if he accepts and respects that, that we can continue dating. The same way that, of course, I would respect his own spiritual journey. Because if you think about it, how much wouldn't it suck that it was something that we knew was there, but we didn't talk about? And when things became pretty serious, we realized He had his belief, I had my belief, but we didn't respect and accept each other with that. And so that would have been been a deal breaker. So because we did all these three aspects, being who we are, setting boundaries, and having both individual and values and values together, it really made a solid foundation for a relationship. And this was, remember, in the beginning of our relationship with when we had all these fussiness and crazy oxytocin release and but we still managed to to pay attention for how we were building our relationship although we were crazy in love <laughs> these three aspects definitely didn't feel like it would increase our oxytocin levels although we had a lot of oxytocin in the beginning Actually, what it increased, or what it felt like it was increasing, was most of all frustration and a, excuse my language, shit ton of tension at times. But as we were through, true to ourselves and each other, we found out what worked for us very early on, and the acceptance and respect made us both feel loved and seen. So it's kind of like, taking all the challenges, and of course, we still have challenges, that's not what I'm saying, but we took a lot of our challenges in the beginning on, and the result of that, although it was really uncomfortable, was that we felt both very loved and very seen. Another thing we did before we got married, and this, my friends, is key. Not saying you have to do it, maybe you didn't do it before you got married, but I would highly encourage to get marriage counseling. A lot of people go through counseling when life gets tough. But why not set yourself up for success in the first place? Of course, as mentioned, this is a personal preference. But for us, and I can speak for me, 
it was incredibly helpful. And I think especially it was helpful just because we got married a year after starting dating, which is incredibly fast. But we also managed to build a solid foundation quickly on in the relationship. So if you got a little lost in terms of how this is related to oxytocin, then this is what I want you to be mindful of. When you fall in love and when it's early on in the relationship, don't lose your head completely. Be skeptical, yet open, and most importantly, be true to yourself. The crazy fussy feelings will eventually wear off, but what kind of foundation do you have together with your significant other at that point? If there are things in the beginning that you disagree on or dislike, but you suppress it, eventually it will turn to the surface. Secondly, often when there is a disappointment and hurt in a relationship, there tends to be more distance. And it might be especially in times such as such as that, that oxytocin can actually increase bonding. So pretty much there's a argument, there's a disappointment, disagreement, you feel isolated, you feel alone. And as a result of that, you withdraw even more. So instead of actually fueling it with oxytocin and bonding both of the people in the relationship closer, you're withdrawing more and you get less, ox less oxytocin. And eventually that also means that you feel even more lonely. It's kind of a silly thing. So I'm not saying that you should just forget about it and move on. You should move on after you've taken the time to figure it out. Um, but instead of spending all this time isolating and withdrawing, closeness will increase oxytocin and you'll once again feel bonded with your love. This is definitely something that I didn't realize that I did before George. If I felt hurt, I would withdraw and he would stand there kind of questioning it, wanting to come closer, and then I would withdraw even more. So that's something we are working on today. So I wanted to put that in there as well because when you feel hurt, it's hard to come close because of the hurt. But open and good communication to bring you close together, it really is the key here. And, and speaking of isolation, this takes me to my last point for today. There has been research that supports the idea that an increase in cortisol and a decrease in oxytocin is linked to depressive symptoms. In a relationship, I think this means that often when we feel lonely slash are not getting enough attention, we often withdraw, making us feel even more lonely. Then there's a decrease in oxytocin and an increase in cortisol. Uh, and cortisol is linked to stress. The levels of cortisol are um, rising when you feel stress. So you don't want too much of the stress. A little bit of stress is good but not too much. So this can be seen in general and not just in a relationship that's romantic when I'm talking about how oxytocin is linked to cortisol. So if you are surrounded by friends, but you don't feel 
connected, and because of that, you withdraw, withdraw even more, then you'll feel more stressed. But if you feel disconnected and you tell your friends and you can have a communication around that, you'll feel more bonded, more connected, and you'll have more oxytocin. So pretty much spending time closely with someone you love helps decrease stress and makes us feel loved and seen. I hope that this was interesting to hear a bit more about my takeout on oxytocin in terms of my relationship and in terms of friendships. Not so much friendships, but I really, I think this is a really important subject to talk about. And of course, I'm not even a year in my marriage, but I still think to each stage, there's a lot of knowledge and uh, knowledge to be learned and experience to be, I guess, experienced. Before I end the podcast episode for today, I actually have a challenge for you. And this challenge is linked to increase oxytocin levels. So the challenge is do an activity that you've never done before with someone you love. Think about that. What is something that you've never done before? George and I actually made soap from scratch and bath bombs with his cousin the other day. A completely new experience that was really cool trying something new. And it was a lot of fun. And that's what we want with this challenge. Have fun feel loved, and feel connected. So that's my challenge for you. Please let me know how it goes. I'd love to hear about it. In the meantime, feel free to follow and subscribe. You can find me on Instagram at let's.train.your.brain. And thank you for joining me today and for listening. So I'll see you next week.